0: Our text for today comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 13. We'll be starting at verse 1 through 8, then we will skip to verses 24 through 37. Let us hear for the Word of God. As Jesus was leaving the temples, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what massive stones, what magnificent buildings! Do you see all these great buildings?" replied Jesus. Not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things happen? And what will be the sign that they are about to be fulfilled? Jesus said to them, watch out that no one deceives you many will come in my name claiming i am he and will deceive many when you hear of wars and rumors of wars do not be alarmed such things must happen but the end is still to come nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom there will be earthquakes in various places and famines but these are the beginning of birth pangs. But in those days, following that distress, the sun will be darkened. The moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, we will see the son of man coming from the clouds with great power and glory. And he will send his angels and gather his elect from the four winds and from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heavens. Now, learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that it is near right at the door. Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away but my words will never pass away. But about that day and our hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the sun, but only the Father. Be on guard, be alert. You don't know when that time will come. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each with their assigned task, and tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore keep watch, because you don't know when the owner of the house will come back, whether it is in the evening, or at midnight, or when the rooster crows, or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, don't let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. This is the word of God for all the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Now, I've had an interest in architecture for many years. I probably would have never become an architect, and I definitely would not have been a good architect. But I still have this fascination with, with buildings and how they are built. I am interested, of course, in many of the different architects, such as Frank Lloyd Wright. I always loved his designs. I've been in some of the buildings that he has designed. They're fascinating. I'm really interested in Frank Geary and his radical designs, such as the um, Disney Theater in Los Angeles. And um, here in Minnesota, it is the Weissman Art Museum. Uh, at the University of Minnesota here in Minneapolis. Then there was Philip Johnson. Um, He was very fascinated how he used glass to create his marvels, his architectural marvels. And then there was someone like Cesar Pelli, who kind of was a neoclassical, maybe uh, neo-Art Deco in his designs. All of these architects made buildings that demanded to be seen and studied they were designed to inspire they were designed to leave us in awe i'm beginning to think that jesus was not that interested in architecture we know this because in the opening verses of today's text as he and jesus he and his disciples are walking around Jerusalem. You could see how awestruck his disciples were. You have to imagine, they came from smaller towns. They were in the big city. They were seeing all of these grand buildings and then they saw it. They were most impressed by this one. It was the refurbished second temple. This was a temple that was built After the Jews come back from 70 years in captivity When Herod who was the vassal king That was picked by Rome to rule over Israel came to power? He went on a basically big public works program and one of the things that he did Was refurbished and enlarge the second temple So of course This was something that was designed to marvel, to leave people in awe. And they wanted to, they were impressed by what they saw and they thought Jesus would be impressed as well. And Jesus wasn't. This is all going to come down, Jesus says. It's not permanent. It was not going to last. The disciples were curious. Jesus then started talking about some type of a calamity, some type of future event. And of course, they were curious, when was this all gonna go down? They wanted to be ready. That is a very human thing. We want to know what's going to happen. We want to know how we can prepare for the future. But Jesus doesn't tell them. Instead, Jesus tells them to be on the lookout to always be watchful. In the early part of this chapter, it's to be on the lookout for people who claim to be the Messiah, but are in reality are not him. And he tells them about all of these calamities that are coming. And it reminds me of what we learned in um, the Old Testament in second kings with elijah elijah hearing and seeing things like an earthquake and a mighty wind but god wasn't in that wind or that earthquake and just like that these signs are not necessarily god they're pointing to something jesus goes on As they said there are going to be those that claim to be the savior People that want to act as if they have the power of Jesus and that they can bring salvation to you today. And that has been true throughout so much of history. There have been princes, there have been emperors, there have been presidents. They all come, they they present themselves as the savior. They are the ones who will dazzle us. They are the ones who will make us feel good. They are the ones that will save us from certain ruin. But the reality is they are frauds. The thing is, we want to have a savior like this. One that will save us from a cataclysm. And maybe that's why there is so so much interest, especially in religion and maybe even in pop culture about the rapture, because it's a way of getting us out of a sinking ship, saving us just in time. But Jesus puts the kibosh on that thought and that line of thinking right away. Jesus is not very far, as he's sitting here talking to his disciples, he is not very far from the time that he will be arrested, put on trial, sentenced, and executed. Jesus could not escape his fate. Even though he knew what was coming, there was no way he could avert it. And if Jesus could not avert his fate, and what makes us think that we can. As we continue to live in this time of the coronavirus, as we hear of rising death tolls, whether it's in Wuhan, in Northern Italy, or in New York City, we have to realize that faith in Christ is not a protection from all the bad things in the world. Christians for centuries have not been spared the horrors of war or persecution or famine or pestilence. The apocalypse is not delayed for us. So what does this all mean? What does it all mean for us as church? The answer comes in that parable that Jesus says. You almost miss it, but it's there. There is that parable. And it is about a man that obviously has a vast estate, a person that has a vast estate, and they leave. And they put their their servants in charge. Their servants have different tasks to do, and they are also supposed to keep watch for when the master returns. That is important because it's basically telling us what the church is like. As followers of Jesus Christ, those of us who are Christians are each given a task while God is quote unquote away. We are called to care for people, to care for the widow and for the orphan, to care for those who are weak, and to preach the good news that the kingdom of God is at hand. We live in this time where maybe we want to do something showy. There has actually been a debate, especially earlier this month, as we started to hear of the virus becoming more and more prevalent, of whether we should have church physically or not. And I remember hearing about some cases where churches felt like they had to Even though it was risky because the virus was spreading around and one person could just bring it to church they wanted to meet it was important but you wonder were they doing this for the glory of God or were they doing this for themselves were they doing something that was kind of like those buildings that was showy but in reality didn't have the substance that maybe the act of serving God is not that you try to show up physically in a church, even though you're putting yourself in danger and others that you care for in danger, but maybe it's something different. Maybe in this time that we are dealing with this deadly virus as it's sweeping throughout the world, causing chaos, causing destruction, causing fear, that this is a time that the church has to stand up but doesn't necessarily mean we can meet physically because we can't but there are ways that we are given a task to do there are ways that we are called to be the disciples of Jesus in this time even though we cannot physically gather One of the things we were hoping into and we are still doing is to gather and collect peanut butter during this month of March. And this will actually continue into the next month now. And that doesn't seem like that's something that important. And how is that going to advance the kingdom of God? But we also know that there are people, many people in our communities that aren't able to put food on the table. And that peanut butter is one way for families to get a nutritious meal. It may not seem like much to go and buy an extra jar of peanut butter, but it could help someone, feed someone. And we do this not because it's just a nice thing, but it's because this is how Christ calls us to be church, to care for people, to care for one another, God is not interested necessarily in our showy acts, but in our devoted hearts. It has been fascinating to see what people are doing in this time of finding ways of supporting people and supporting one another, caring for those who are, are elderly. It has been fascinating to see so many people being willing to take up A Thread and needle to actually make masks that they can give To doctors and nurses as they are working to try to save lives in their in the hospitals God is telling us in this time not to fear But to trust that God is near and that God loves us The task that we are called to do matter because that is what as children of God we are called to do as we wait for the return of Christ. As I said before, right now the church is scattered. We're all separated. We are not able to meet physically in our space and that is difficult because we miss each other. We want to be, I want to be near you all but I can't. You want to be hopefully around me, but you can't. But while we are not the church physically, we are still the church. We are still called with a task to do, especially now. This is a chance that people can see the church in action, where they can see God at work. So when Jesus said that the big buildings of the second temple were going to fall, and in reality they did decades later, Jesus was telling the disciples back then and the church now to focus on the main thing, to be alert, to be ready. Don't worry about when God will be arriving. Don't worry in trying to find out when God's going to come, but be alert in doing the tasks that we are called to do. Right now, we all have a task as children of God. How in this time do we reach out to those who are lonely? Can we support medical workers in some way? Can we pray right now, especially for those who are scared? Can everything that we do show that we are Christians and also who we are as Christians, but also show that we are followers of Jesus, that we belong to Jesus? So right now, in this day, we have work to do, dear church. So let us go and get to work as we await Christ's return.